Our sermon this morning is based on Hebrews chapter 12. We'll read, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement? that addresses you as a father addresses his son. It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have, had, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. This is the word of our God. Is it worth it? It was a thought that that popped into my mind about three weeks ago, and don't worry, it had absolutely nothing to really do with the life-changing events that have happened over these last few months. Is it worth it? I found myself thinking that in a Circle K parking lot just down the street from my house as I had pulled a 26-foot-long Penske truck with a 10-foot trailer into that parking lot to fill up on gas so that I wouldn't be charged the enormous amounts that the Penske company charges you if you have them gas it up for you. I had pulled it in. I had tried to angle it just right so that I could get to one of the gas pumps that seemed easiest to get to. Nowhere close. (laughs) So I looked and I thought, okay, maybe I can drive it behind the Circle K, come back around and get a better shot at it. You can't get behind the Circle K. (laughs) So I take the truck, and I try to back it up. I jackknifed it, pulled it forward, and we thought, you know what? Let's just pull it out of the parking lot altogether. We'll come around, come in at a different entrance, and things will go better that time. So we pull it out, bring it around, park it right by the fuel pump. It winds up being about 10 feet away. You can barely actually get the nozzle nozzle to the, the gas tank. Traffic's being blocked. 
people can't get to their Circle K. I'm feeling unbelievably foolish. People seem to be getting angry. See, people are giving me looks. Cars are being stopped. And it's at that moment that I thought my, to myself, for just a little bit of money, is this really worth it? That's the question that we have before us today in Hebrews. Is it worth it? The Christian life is not promised to be an easy one. It's full of challenges and struggles. It's full of disciplines from a loving father. It's full of hurdles. It's a race. And the question that we have before us is, is this Christian struggle, is everything that we go through is it worth it? Last week, Vicar Ethan took us through the, uh, the chapter 11 of Hebrews. And he took us through this, this hall of fame of faith. We looked at Abraham and we looked at all of the other heroes of faith. And we saw them put their faith in action even when things were most difficult. And now the writer to the Hebrews makes it personal for you and for me when he says... And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Isn't that beautiful? He knows just how difficult the race of a Christian is. He knows the challenges. He knows the struggles. He knows the disciplines from God. And so he talks to you as someone who is going through it right now. He talks to you as a dearly loved child of God that is going through those struggles and those hurdles that are laid in front of us. And he makes it personal. He makes your race personal. And he makes your race worth it in God's eyes. But, but he lays out this unbelievably difficult, this difficult course that we're supposed to race. And then he says, but here's a little bit of a trick. Here's a cheat code. This is how you finish the race, by focusing your eyes on Christ, by fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith, the one who was with you at the baptismal font when the words, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were spoken over you with water. Whether that was just a couple weeks ago or decades ago, he's been with you since that moment, and he's with you today. Focus on that Jesus is what he calls us to do because Jesus has already put his money where his mouth is. Jesus has already run this race that he calls us to run. He's already secured the victory that we have in his blood. You know, there's something, there's something very, very cool. Uh, there are some blessings to not knowing necessarily what lies ahead of you in the Christian race. For example, if you knew that in three days that cancer diagnosis was about to drop, how difficult would it be to turn off the alarm, put your two feet on the ground, and get out of bed in the morning? If you knew that in two and a half weeks, all of a sudden your marriage was going to fall apart, would it be easy to go through those next two and a half weeks? If you knew that in, in three months, one of your children was going to stop talking to you forever, would it be easy to go through these next three months? No, in so many ways, we have the blessing of not knowing all of the challenges that are in front of us, but that is not something that was afforded to Jesus. 
Jesus, as true God and true man, knew every single thing that was coming his way. He knew the betrayal that was going to come, and he pressed on anyway. He knew those vicious words that were going to be hurled at him as he was going through an unfair trial, and he pressed on anyway. He knew exactly how it was going to feel to have a crown of thorns put on his head and to have nails put into his hands. And what did he do? He did not stop running the race for you. He kept on. Not because Jesus had some affinity for the pain or anything like that. Not because it was easy for him. But because he looked past the cross. Past the suffering, he scorned the shame. And he looked forward to the end of it all. When he would go to sit at the right hand of the Father, and his Father would say to him, with you I am well pleased. And Jesus carried out all of this as he looked forward to the end when he could allow you and I to share in the glory of the Father. That's why he kept going. He ran the race here on earth for you and I so that now he can run the race with us. So, peace. How's the race going? What kind of day am I catching you on? August 14th, 2022, how's your race going? Is it easy? Does it feel like you've got miles and miles and miles left in those legs? Does it feel like you just started running the race and nobody could stop you? Does it feel like every step you take makes you stronger and faster? Does it feel like this Christian life is easy for you right now? If so, God bless you. What a wonderful thing. But maybe I'm talking to you on a day where the race isn't so easy. When it feels like those, those sins that easily entangle our legs are really catching up with us. Does it feel like your legs are starting to get heavy? Your chest is starting to get full? You're starting to hurt? Are you on this race and you're slowing down and you're seeing your brothers and your sisters in Christ running right by you and you think, what is wrong with me? Maybe I'm catching you on a day where you're just sitting down on the racetrack and you see the end and you think, there's no chance I'm making it. Whether you are more like the first runner or the second runner or somewhere in between, the words of Hebrews chapter 12 verses 4 through 13 are unbelievably appropriate for us today. Because it gives very clear insight into how God helps us run that race. It gives very clear insight into how God shows his love to each and every one of us in his discipline. I don't know... I don't know a lot of your backstories yet. Lord willing, over the next few months, I will. And I don't know what your relationship with your father was like. I don't know if maybe, I've got to be careful because my dad's actually here today. <laughs> I don't know if maybe, maybe you looked at your dad and you thought he was, he was the best. You would trust him to the end of the earth. You could respect him forever and ever. He could do nothing wrong in your eyes. In fact, he was the type of guy that, that would tell you to jump off a cliff and you go, you know what, I believe it. Let's do it. Maybe you didn't have that relationship with your father. Maybe it was a little more strained. 
Maybe it was a little more tenuous. Maybe it was less there than you would have liked it to be. Maybe you didn't really know your father. No matter what your relationship with your father has been in your life, no matter what it looked like, the words today in Hebrews are unbelievably appropriate for us. Because it doesn't depict our earthly father, it, it depicts our heavenly father. It depicts the father who sits on high, who's perfect in every way, who reveals himself to us as a loving father. A father that wants the best for us. A father that disciplines us not out of anger or wrath, but out of love. In fact, five, verses 5 and 6 say, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. So whether you had that all-star father growing up or, or you didn't, brothers and sisters of peace, now you do. You have that father that is worth every ounce of your respect. You have that father that is never wrong, that never leads you astray, that never disciplines you out of wrath, that is never less than. You have a father that you could never ask for anything more out of. He is never slow to help. He's never slow to discipline. He's never slow to show you anything besides his endless love for you. That's the type of father we have now. God is really well depicted in a, a, a picture a lot of us can probably relate to. That five-year-old boy who's playing with his ball in the driveway and he drops the ball and it goes tumbling towards the street. And what does the five-year-old do? Gone. Right after the ball. Doesn't matter what else is happening in the world. Doesn't matter what's coming at him towards in the street. He is going to go after that ball no matter what. His father, who's sitting just a ways away from him, sees what's about to happen, drops his plate of food, and takes right on after that kid. Right before he gets to the street, he grabs him by the arm, he picks him up, he puts him down right in front of him, and he says, don't you ever do that again. That's the type of God we have. Did the yank on the arm hurt the kid a little bit? Maybe. Was he a little scared because of his father's stern voice? Probably. But was he far better off than the other outcome that could have happened? Than him tumbling into the streets and meeting that garbage truck driving down the road? Was he better off that way? Was he better off safe? Absolutely. That's our relationship with our God. He knows what's best for us. And when he sees some of those, those wicked sins, those sins that, that maybe we don't even see coming at us, but they're the ones that can destroy our faiths, he sees them coming and he grabs us by the arm and sometimes it hurts, but he lifts us out of the way and carries us to safety in his discipline. That's what the discipline of God looks like. It's the, the discipline that we sometimes feel when, when we commit these sins of, of slander or selfishness or or, or we abuse a relationship and we feel a little empty. We feel a little lonely. We feel like we're in solitude. Or maybe it's those times when, when you take a look at the Ten Commandments and then you stack your life up right next to it and you cross off the commandments and go, nope, didn't keep that one this week. Nope, didn't keep that one this week. Nope, didn't keep that one this week. 
And you can go all the way down and you can find time after time after time that you've broken those, those commandments this week. And you know that time and time again, next week you're going to break those commandments. And don't you feel just a little defeated? Doesn't that conscience prick you just a little bit? In that we see the disciplining hand of God who says, I do not want you to fall into those things. I want nothing more than to keep you away from those things. He disciplines us in a way that only he knows what we need. That's a loving father. In fact, he even says it in our verses. Essentially, if you would have a God that is almighty, that is all-knowing, that is all-powerful, who did not intercede when we were faced with trials and temptations, when we were faced with sins that entangle our legs, if we had a God that did not intercede and discipline us, well, that wouldn't be a God who loves us. No, only a God who loves us to the end of the earth and back would be willing to intercede in time, discipline us, and keep us from the dangers that we create in our own lives. If you've noticed the word that we've been using this entire morning is discipline, right? Not punishment. No, God doesn't have an ounce of punishment left in him for you. Not one ounce. Not one ounce of, of anger or wrath. Not one ounce of, of, of hatred for sin. He has none of that left for you because he took all of that and he placed every drop of it on Christ so that all he has left for us is discipline Love and forgiveness. That's how much your Savior loves you. He loves you enough that even when we break his law over and over again, even when we find ourselves underneath his discipline over and over again, he is always there to open his arms up, to extend his hand and to say, don't worry, I still love you. I'm still here for you and I'm here, still here with you. Our God has given us so many blessings in this life. He gives us that model that is Christ, living a life according to the will of God, and he says, that's your model to follow. There you go. But then he gives us Christ's forgiveness for all of those times that we break that model. And he gives us his word to show us how much he loves us, even in those, those dark times. But then he adds one more grace. He adds one more blessing on top of blessing on top of blessing, and he gives us places like this. He gives us brothers and sisters in Christ who run the race with us, look around, see each other having fallen down, and are always so quick to grab you by the arm and say, don't stop. The race isn't done. Keep going with me. That's what peace gets to be for each and every one of us. There will be times over the next years and years and years of my ministry where I might come up to you and, and, and come up to you as you fall down on the racetrack of your Christian race and go, don't stop running. And brothers and sisters, I know as a fact there will be times over the course of these next years when you'll have to do the same for me. What a blessing God gives to us. That in this struggle of a Christian life, he gives us each other and the peace that we are able to bring to one another. 
So was it worth it? Was making a fool of myself, jackknifing the truck, stopping traffic, was all of that worth it just to save a few bucks on gas? I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And is the Christian life worth it? Is the discipline of God worth it? Is lifting our legs day after day, trying to get over the hurdles of sin, worth it? Absolutely. Is it easy? Not usually. But your God has given you so much to help you on your way. Let's be that for one another. Let's be the encourager that is always so willing to bring the discipline of God and to follow it up so closely with his forgiveness. What a blessing. Amen.